Hey there, it's the Katie Lance Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is episode 112 of the Katie Lance Podcast. And you guys, I am so excited about our interview here today. I had a great interview recently with Nikki Beauchamp. Uh, Nikki is an, an just incredible broker, real estate broker in the New York City market. She has become a really dear friend. I met Nikki probably about 10 years ago, first on social media, and then over the years at various real estate events. Um, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with her today. In this interview, we talk a lot about New York real estate, some truths and some myths around what it's like to be a broker in New York City. I know you guys are going to love that conversation. Nikki's also killing it on social media, and she is someone I absolutely love to follow. And so she gives some of her best tips and strategies for how she is being really intentional and showing up um, and not always sharing every moment of her life (laughs) on social media. She is really, really fantastic um, at social media. So she gives some great tips. And then at the end, we had a really good conversation, a very candid conversation about things like race, um, racism, include, you know, inclusion, uh, equity. And these are some real, you know, real issues that I know Nikki deals with as well as a lot of folks in our, in our audience as well. So, um, stay tuned towards the end. I, I really appreciate Nikki, um, being vulnerable and sharing her heart and sharing her opinion on these important topics. So I'm super excited for this conversation. Let's get on with the show. You're listening to the Katie Lance Podcast. If you're an entrepreneur, social media geek, real estate pro, a mom, or maybe all of the above, and ready to level up your social media game, you're in the right place. listening to the Katie Lance podcast. I am Katie Lance, founder and CEO of Katie Lance Consulting and the Get Social Smart Academy. And I am so excited for our interview here today. So thrilled to be chatting with a dear friend of mine. Nikki Beauchamp is someone that I have known for many, many years. I think we first met through social media, most likely, uh, and we have connected over the years. She is amazing. For those of you who don't know Nikki, Nikki is a multilingual luxury global real estate advisor, and she is known for her expert command of the New York City real estate market and understanding its intricate intersection with the national and international real estate markets. Nikki is trusted and respected globally by clients and peers as an expert in data and financial analysis, negotiation, marketing, and technology. And she's frequently quoted in media outlets such as the New York Times. Welcome, Nikki. I'm so happy to have you with me today. I am so excited to be here with you today. I think we have known each other for well over a decade at this point. I think so. I was trying to think back to when we first met. It was probably at an Inman event uh, over over the years or through social media or both. <laughs> I think we first met in person for sure at an Inman event. I think you had just had, I don't remember you just had Owen. I do know that I had a BlackBerry at the time. I, do I also had an that. iPhone, but I did have the BlackBerry. So and there's probably even a picture of it. I'll go look and see if I can find it for a throwback photo. I would love that. I'm sure I'm sure we have one out there. <laughs> so for people who aren't familiar with you, I would love to just kind of start off by maybe you can just kind of give us a little bit of insight in how you got into real estate. Um, doesn't have to be your whole story, but whatever you'd like to share, how you got into real estate and, and what your business looks like today. 
sure. So I am unapologetically a native New Yorker. I wear that with pride. I was born and raised in Manhattan. I went to the New York City Public Schools. Then I went off to NYU, where for undergrad, I studied computer science and economics, and graduate school studied statistics. So you would think none of that has anything to do with real estate. So my first career was actually on Wall Street in finance and tech. And I had started to actually invest in real estate. And I had a dear, dear friend that every time I was always a native New Yorker in a room. So anytime someone was coming to New York or moving to New York, I would be asked, Nikki, what do you know? Where should I go? Where should I live? You know, where should I eat? And I would always send them to my friend. And my friend eventually says, you know what? If you had your real estate license, I could pay you a referral fee. And I'm like, eh. I don't need the referral fee. It's okay. We're all good. And she came to a holiday party and said, your referrals paid for my car. If you get your license, I can do something other than give you a Starbucks gift card. It's like, and you didn't even drink coffee. So go get your license. So I took a week off and I did one of those seven days, get your license. And I had my license and I had it in referral status for a bit. And then I had what I like to call my early midlife crisis, where I was like, you know what, I need to do something different. And I need to take more time. I want to start a new business, but I don't know what I want to do. Maybe I'll try selling real estate. It'll be more <laughs> flexible. I'll have more time for myself. I'll have more time for my family. And yeah, that turned out really, really well. Um, but I will say it's probably the best decision I ever made. It has allowed for a great deal of flexibility and choice as to how I structure my life and structure my business. And my business is almost entirely by referral. Um, in fact, as we're recording this today, I was updating one great agent who you know, uh, Stacy Staub. I was updating her and her agent on a referral they sent to me that's going to close relatively soon. And another agent in our network who sent me a buyer who's buying their dream New York City apartment. So it's uh, relationships are everything in life and in business. They absolutely are. They absolutely are. Um, and you are a solo broker, correct? Or you are you part I, of a team? Like, give us a kind of a sense I of your am, team structure. I am an independent practitioner. So I work on my own, but as necessary, I will consider partnering partnering the transaction instead of partnering my entire brokerage practice. Right. Um, there is no right way or wrong way for anyone. I did have two business partners many years ago and we parted ways and I've been independent for most of the last 10 plus years. Wow. That's great. Well, I, as we were chatting before we went live, I said, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of folks who don't live in New York city, we have like this glamorized idea of like what it must be like to be a New York city broker, <laughs> right? We've probably watched one too many reality shows. <laughs> so what is it really like? Is it, is it all glamorous as we, as we are all imagining or, uh, or maybe not as much, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot of hard work as it is in any market. You know, I am in constant communication with my clients. It's knowing your market to, to a degree that yesterday, I think it was yesterday. I'm not sure because in the pandemic, every day is same day. That was my exactly. big thing. Happy same day. Um, an email came across my desk 
and it was for new units that were coming to market. And when I looked at it, I said to myself, I know that in my database, there are approximately 67 people that this could be a good opportunity for. So I sent, I crafted an email specifically for those 67 people. I sent it. After I hit send, I forgot one person. And I forgot this person who I'd been in contact with regularly for the last you know, year since they were referred to me by a past client. And I said, you know what? Let me hit forward and say, hey, how you doing? Hope all is well. Forgot to send this to you, but I think this could be interesting. I got a phone call in three minutes. Wow. He said, you know what? You must be a psychic. He's like, I have saved more now to facilitate this purchase. And I need to be out of my apartment by X date. I was going to call you over the weekend. Guess what? Instead, over the weekend, we're going to see those apartments. So if you are dialed into your inventory and your clients, it's, that's really the, the name of this business. Know, know your numbers, know your inventory, know your clients, and know your referral partners. Right. So if I have past clients or other agents who typically have a particular kind of either seller or buyer or even tenant that they send, that's why segmenting is really that important. Yeah. And I would imagine that this is a really good intersection between your background in statistics and finance it and is. relationship building. It is. And I, I, I like to joke that my background has come in handy more and more over the years. Like I was joking about the BlackBerry, but I had colleagues way back when who would say, why do you need to check your email when you're not at the office? That just <laughs> seems ridiculous. Or why are you continuing to talk to someone on your cell phone when they call you? Oh my God, it's right. Because back then you used to pay by the minute. Yeah. Yep. It's like, let me hang up and, and I'll call you on my landline. <laughs> yes. And I never did that. I found whatever, I forget what phone company it was, that had an unlimited calling plan because I did not want to be thinking, have like a running, uh, a running calculator of how much the call was costing me. <laughs> yes. Was it more expensive to pay for that plan up front? Absolutely. But in the end, I didn't have all the crazy overages. But more importantly, when someone called, I just sat there and I talked. I didn't think about how much they were costing me. To me, that was just an investment in my business. I remember back when we had to pay per text. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. You had a certain number of texts you could send every month. <laughs> you had a certain number of texts. You had to, yeah. you know, it was the, uh, you had to tap the thing three times to get the right, right letter. Um, and I, was, I do remember you walking around with a BlackBerry and an iPhone for a long time. And I know, I know you got a lot of grief from many of our friends and colleagues. I got, I got grief forever. <laughs> and I will tell you that even a couple of years ago, I had a moment where I literally reactivated my BlackBerry for a bit until it died. And the only reason I, I'm not carrying one now is because it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And it's also Android based and, you know, it's not, it's not the same. Not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. I know. I know. So, you know, one of the ways that we connected over the years is is through social media. Um, And we have stayed in touch 
through social media. Um, and obviously I see you in person at conferences and I can't wait to get back to actual real in-person soon, soon. <laughs> soon. We will know, be we, back in person. <laughs> exactly. With, with real selfies and we won't be connecting through zoom and, you know, really face to face. But I would love for you to kind of touch a little bit on social media because I see you active on Facebook and Instagram particularly, but I know you're also active on, on LinkedIn. I, I do see you, you know, um, post quite often on LinkedIn. And I also know just from knowing you as a friend that you're very intentional and very purposeful on what you post, what you share, who you interact with. So I would love for you to kind of talk a little bit about your strategy and how that's, how that has affected your business. You know, so I avoided social media for what was called social media in the early days for a really long time. Um, I joined LinkedIn early on is it appealed to me. It was business oriented. And this was before, I guess it was before real estate. I can't, I can't even remember anymore, but I always remember being on LinkedIn from the very early days and Facebook had never really appealed to me. And I joined Facebook because I'm a little bit of a Scrabble nerd and <laughs> I was playing an online uh, Scrabble game and it was being discontinued or something. And the only way to continue was you had to join Facebook. So my very first Facebook friend was one of my dear friends, her husband. And he was my very first Facebook friend. And Facebook led to me reconnecting with people as far back as kindergarten. I connected with the people that I went in elementary school with. I had middle school, middle school reunions. Of course, now we could all drink. So we went to a bar. I love my cocktails. That's that's a big thing for me. And it became the beginning of reconnecting with people that I had lost touch with. And you can make the argument that like I've lived in New York has been my official address for my entire life. Even when I lived part-time in London, I refused to move because I wanted to keep my New York address. I've had the same contact information. I've had the same home phone number for decades, but the world changed. And people were connecting on social. So that became a great way to connect. Incidentally, I actually helped one of my middle school classmates buy an apartment. I've helped high school classmates buy apartments, rent apartments. I've helped their friends. I've helped their, their coworkers. I joined Twitter, was also not professionally motivated, actually. I think my partner at the time was in advertising. So had joined Twitter. I'm like, oh, okay, let me join that, see what it's about. And that led to me reconnecting with people and expanding my sphere or mainly reconnecting at a time that was really kind of critical because it was right around the time that uh, the financial crisis and Lehman had crashed. So most of my clients who had been frequent, they would buy, they would sell, they would refer, they weren't doing much of anything because they were all in finance. Some of them had lost their jobs. Um, and it led me to connect with people like you, um, connecting with like the Inman community, going to events, creating a network of professionals that helped expand my business at a time where there weren't really very many other avenues. That's when I started to blog. Uh, hilariously enough, I started blogging because Tom Ferry was like, Nikki, you should like write a blog. And I'm like, I don't want to write a blog. He's like, you tweet. If you can tweet, you can write a blog. I'm like, I don't have time. It means I have to sit at a computer and I have to do this and I have to do that. And he's like, well, here's a way. You can, you can send the email from your BlackBerry to this service and it'll post your blog. 
Um, and, you know, that really opened up a whole new world professionally, but also ultimately, interestingly enough, now that I look back on the last 10 plus years, a whole new world personally. Some of my very, very best friends came from really delving into social. And today, I still love LinkedIn because I think it's a great avenue that agents overlook. Even if you do nothing else, please keep your information current. Current. I get a couple of referrals a year from people who are looking from other agents for other agents that they can't find because the agents haven't updated their information. And when they're searching, <laughs> they end up with me. And you know they're not looking in my market. But guess what? I know people pretty much every corner of the globe. So I'm able to place that referral. Um, and I love Instagram because I love the visual. Photography is kind of like my little hobby. And it's a very natural place for me to spend time. Facebook can become overwhelming. I miss the Facebook lists and all of that stuff. And mm -hmm. sometimes just Facebook can be a lot. It can be a lot. So I haven't spent as much time there necessarily. But I go through phases, which are usually tied to whatever's going on in my business and in my life. And I'm very intentional about what I share and what I don't share. I share, I do share personal things, but I share in a way that connects to the city that I love. Like I said, unapologetically New York, the reason I carry two phones is I still have a 212 personal uh, cell phone number. Um, and I will have it until my dying day if, <laughs> if all goes well. And so I try to share content and context around life in New York, what it's like to live here. And I also share when I travel, which I'm not obviously not doing right now. Um, but that's really the things that are enjoyable to me, which also makes it enjoyable to share and to connect and to post. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you said a few things I wanted to touch on. I, I love the idea of, uh, well, we've talked about LinkedIn and just the the simple but so important point of making sure your contact information <laughs> is there. I, I You're so speaking simple. my language. I mean, I, I always say like, don't be a secret agent. And I'm, I'm amazed at how many people just don't have their email or phone number or any way. <laughs> literally current. Right, current. I have friends that I will go on and I'll go, okay, you know what? Let me just make sure their information is current. And I look and I go, you haven't been at that company for like <laughs> nine or 10 years. Yes. I mean, I happen to know that, but imagine if I were a consumer, yeah. they're not going to go through that extra step because so many yeah. people are already on LinkedIn for other things. The demographics are just astonishing. And also on I think like people confuse different platforms and the way they should craft their message for the platform. So on LinkedIn, I could totally say, Hey, you know what? I had an amazing interview today with Katie Lance for her podcast, or I had an amazing opportunity to talk to a reporter from the New York times. Like that's very contextual and expected on LinkedIn. Right. But if I did, if I only talked about my listings and my closings and all of those things on Facebook, that might not be what my constituency really wants to hear on Facebook. They want me to be snarky and talk about like my beautiful great niece or my crazy shoe issues or like my cocktails. Like that's what works for that for my audience on Facebook. And I know that my audience on LinkedIn 
it's very much what are you doing? You know, where are you being quoted? What's going on in the market? And then on Instagram, I can tell that same story, but visually and also be contextual. No one, no one wants to read, no one wants to see me like plaster crappy font on a picture of mine. Right. Like no one wants to see it. So I try to show New York City. Sometimes I show the grit. Sometimes I show the glamour. And I try to be kind of catchy with my with my captions. And sometimes I succeed. Sometimes I don't. And so, you know, just try, try again. Well, and you make a really good point about every platform is a little bit different and context and, and understanding your audience and understanding what those platforms are all about. I think even in 2021, there's this tendency to kind of like spray and pray (laughs) where you like just post the same thing everywhere because you think, well, it's a time saver and I'll just like hit a button and (laughs) have everything go everywhere. But I I, I think you've done a great job nuancing that. (laughs) But I understand, I understand, you know, wanting to reuse and recycle. No one is saying that you can't do that. It's just what is your thought process behind the message you want to convey and then figure out how to tweak accordingly. Yeah. I could take, I could take one picture and I could literally come up with six different ways to say the same thing on six different platforms. Yes. And that's really the ultimate because when we, we talk a lot about that um, in the podcast and over on our YouTube channel, working smarter, not harder, repurposing content. And it doesn't mean, just taking the same thing, blasting it everywhere. But like you said, just being cognizant of, you know, the different platforms and, you know, if you've got a picture or something you want to share, just, just, you know, tweaking that a bit, depending on where you're tweaking it. it. And sometimes like I did something the other day, just for fun, I was playing around on Canva because right now when I can't sleep, I play in Canva because it's what (laughs) I do. And I have been, I've been tweaking and testing different formats of things, both on like my Instagram and in my newsletter and all of that stuff. But I said to myself, you know what? I like to ask my clients and my friends and my sphere for their input occasionally on things, because I find that it's a way for them to be engaged and feel like they're contributing to your business, but they don't really realize that that's what they're doing. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like a sneaky way of saying, hey, I want your opinion on my new headshot. Which one do you like most? Hey, I want your opinion on, you know, these formats because I'm trying to figure out how to share quotes or how to share testimonials. And without knowing you are sharing with your sphere that you have success and you have demonstrated Mm -hmm. success, but you're not blasting (laughs) everything at once. You're saying, hey, I value your opinion. I'm interested to know what you think. And people will tell you what they think. And it's planting (laughs) the seed in their head. Oh, yes, they tell you. It's planting the seed in their head that, oh, yeah, you know what? This is what she does. And this is what she's good at. And But without saying, oh, my God, look at this. I've just done this amazing new thing. Like Anybody who follows me will know that I hardly ever do that because it's just not my personality. I'm not knocking what other people do, but I want to share in a way that's that really reflects who I am as a person and how I run and and what and what my choices are 
and how I choose to run my business and how I choose to sort of tailor my investment. So I think one of the things that really resonates when you're saying this is that you have a really true sense of, of just who you are, right? Of who you are, of what you want to put out in the world. And I, I don't know if you see this, but I see a lot of agents who just try to kind of be the same thing to everybody. They try to kind of like be all things to all people. And I, I feel like part of it kind of comes from this place of like, we don't want to offend anyone. So like we want to cater to everybody, but I feel like we are in kind of this sea of sameness <laughs> lately. And it's a little bit vanilla. And I, I, I've always yeah. noticed that you, you aren't vanilla. I mean, you don't appear, you know, you're not going to appeal to every single person. Um, no. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Like in my mind, I want to appeal to my ideal client. And since much, much, most of my business is by referral, if I'm appealing to my past clients and engaging with them and also like other, other agents in other markets, they will continue to send me people who are just like them. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just feeding that machine. Um, and it's not necessarily something that I segment by like price point, because I think that luxury is not the price point. It's the service. Mm -hmm. Everyone is, everyone should have the best possible advice for whether they're buying, they're selling or they're renting. It doesn't matter what the price point is. So I treat everybody exactly the same. Um, but my messaging, it's, it's knowing it's really knowing who your clients are and knowing your sphere and knowing what appeals to them the most because sometimes i get phone calls they're like yeah you know what so and so so and so said that i needed to talk to you because like you know all things new york city or you know <laughs> my kid is moving and we don't know what to do and we need help you know leasing you know can you help us and that's because i've honed in to who i am how to communicate that with my words, with the images that I choose to use and the things that I choose to share. All of that hopefully is so intertwined that it just, it just clicks. Yeah. But that, it, yeah. it means you have to think about who you are. And I think these days we're all very afraid to offend people. And I think that we can communicate ideas that are different without being offensive. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, then there are just, then there are just some things that are just, <laughs> you know, there's no arguing <laughs> right, that it's just right. ridiculous, but I think that it's, it's the art of understanding and choosing, choosing how we communicate, choosing the words, choosing the images and being intentional. And you can't be intentional if you don't do the work to think about who you are, look at, Look at what your look at where your business has come from, and sort of then tailor and tweak accordingly. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and and you're right. I mean, there are a lot of, uh, especially in the last year, there have been so many conversations about a lot of really tough issues, you know. And I mean, just as we're recording this, we're in the month of April. April is NAR's Fair Housing Month, and. Um, that's obviously been a big conversation, not just in the month of April, <laughs> but in general. Uh, and so, you know, there's, there's conference. I mean, we had a conversation here on the podcast. I spoke with Ann and Dave Jones, you know, about things like, you know, politics and black lives matter and community. And like, there's just some tough issues that 
that we deal with, you know, in, in this industry. And so I, I've always admired that you seem to, you have your opinions, but you're also very like eloquent the way you come across, you know, you're not coming across to, you know, necessarily offend anyone, but, but you have your opinions, you know, you have your, your point yeah, of view. I mean, I mean, I have, I have my point of view and I have my opinions and, you know, as far as like fair housing month, you know, we as licensees, we have obligations. We have obligations to uphold the fair housing laws federally and also whatever pertains in our particular jurisdiction, but we're also human beings. Yeah. And, you know, I think that we sometimes can get lost in that. We need to be so much better at understanding history. And that's not a comment specific to real estate. That's just a comment overall. Yep. You know, be a student of history, be a student of the history of the country that we live and work in, be a student of history of the world. And so that you have that much more of an understanding of what really happened, what things contributed to where we are now. Yeah, it's so it's so important. Do you have, for, for anybody listening to this who's, who maybe is looking for some additional resources just to better educate themselves on on, on, on all these issues, is, is, do you have any re- recommendations? I know you're a voracious reader. <laughs> you're always sharing something that you're reading. I am so <laughs> a voracious reader. I mean, you know, um, NAR has amazing resources. Um, um, here in New York, there's the uh, Fair Housing Justice Center, which has really, really great um resources. Um, you know, there are some amazing books that, I mean, I know you've, you, I think you have the, the author of color of law on your, yeah. on your podcast, yeah. Yeah. you know, and there's so many amazing, there's just so many amazing books and Ted talks and Google is like <laughs> the world's best friend. Yeah. And when I think of how much easier it is to access resources today in 2021 compared to when I was a kid, you know, and (laughs) I never would have been able to explain to someone. And when I was a kid, there were things you just didn't, you didn't really talk about. Like you didn't talk about, I had a teacher who intentionally marked me down one grade period because he could. And his, his reasoning was, which he expressed by the way, very clearly. He said, you need to get used to disappointment. He's like, wow. I know that I know that you're smart, but you need to get used to disappointment because, you know, that's that's just a fact of, of life. And wow. I delighted in the decades after that, always telling him every time I ran into him, I would tell him everything I had just accomplished, <laughs> knowing that it would irritate him. Right. And so, you know, <laughs> when I was growing up, it was more of the, all right it happened. You got to be twice as good. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off and get back to work. So I love that we are in a moment right now that there's a generation that has grown up with, we need to speak up. We need to do something. We can't just say, all right, it happens. Let's move on. And I think that we have, we're in a moment of conversation and action but that needs to continue because we're basically trying to write the, you know, literal hundreds of years of wrongs and that's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. Well, we see, I hope to see measurable change 
in my lifetime and people in my family live a really long time. So I'm just saying, I, I'll, I'll be around for, got good for several decades more. <laughs> I got good genes, but I, I do believe that we are going to see measurable change in the coming decades. Like the generations, you know, like your kids, my, my niece's children, like they are going to see hopefully a very different world by the time they're my age than what I have seen. Like, I believe that to be true when I'm having my super optimistic days. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, I was, I was talking to someone recently on the podcast and uh, you know, I think for a lot of folks, we think, gosh, well, isn't there just like a three-step plan to like figuring this all out? And like, we'll just, you know, it's such, it's such the, <laughs> just like the white person thing to say, like, you know, you know. there, there's no, there's no <laughs> three-step plan, but what there is, is that it's messy yeah, and it's uncomfortable yeah. and without getting, without it being messy and uncomfortable and sort of really, really realizing all the things that perhaps you saw but didn't acknowledge or didn't act. And it's very uncomfortable to be confronted with that. And I think that a lot of people are going through that thinking, oh, well, you know, this is, this is like, I remember, so April is Fair Housing Month, but I want to say like two or three years ago was the 50th anniversary of the Fair Housing Act, right? So 2018, right, right. Yep. 2018. And I remember having conversations with people who were like, well, I really don't understand. I don't understand why this is such a big deal. Like, you don't get it. And what I like to say to people is like, you know what? Some people have the luxury of not understanding and the luxury of looking the other way. When I walk into a room, I'm always my skin color first. I'm never my accomplishments. I'm never my career. I'm always a skin color first. Every once in a while, even though people can Google and they can obviously see what I look like, I will show up places and people don't expect me. Hmm. It's like, wait, are you who I spoke to on the phone? I'm like, yeah. That happened one of my first listing appointments where they were literally like, oh, are you the person we spoke to on the phone? And because I have a lifetime of trying to make everybody else comfortable, I basically said, oh, you know, I had... I was under the weather that day. So that's why I sounded different. Mm. But I knew what they meant. I knew exactly what they meant. They meant we weren't expecting you to show up at our doorstep. Wow. Do you, do you still experience that? Or do you feel like that's less and less? Or is it? Um, you know, I feel like because these days so many people Google. Right. They probably <laughs> have seen what I look like. Um, first, or they've heard me. And, you know, I, but I'm, I'm sure that it still occurs, even if people maybe don't voice it as much, or they've learned to hide their shock. Because I mean, what, what am I supposed to sound like? Right. Right. Although I will laugh, um, uh, years and years and years ago, um, I was, uh, it was something Kelly Mitchell was doing. And she said, you don't sound like you're from New York. 
And I just, that always just makes me giggle because people think that people from New York all sound like, you know, I don't even know whatever you see in the movies or the TV. Yeah, I, like I the know. Sopranos or something. Like the Sopranos or something. Yeah. Look, there, there's, it's such, our country is such a melting pot and we all have such a wide variety of, you know, intonations and accents and you never really know what to expect. And that's kind of the beauty of this world that we actually get to experience that with people in so many different ways. Yeah. I mean, we we're talking about Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and pe- you know, people are doing lives. I haven't done uh, LinkedIn live. I don't even think I have it yet. Um, but Instagram and Facebook and like Clubhouse, these are all of these ways. There's such power in, there's such power and in intimacy in voice. Yeah, there, there really is. And you mentioned Clubhouse. I, I, I've seen that you're on there, on there quite a bit. And I've, definitely i've definitely dabbled on in there i've been in a been in a few rooms i've led a few rooms it's uh i tell you that place can be a time suck (laughs) right there for sure i mean i think i think it's it's all about it's all about the intention so i try to you know when i when i want to engage i engage when i don't want to engage i don't um i like structure so i like planned panels and discussions and things like that um, I, I have a social room that I lead several times a week. It used to be every day. Sometimes it's only certain, certain days of the week. Um, and when I joined Clubhouse, there weren't really very many real estate people. Mm. So it, there wasn't this sort of community of like constant all things real estate all the time. So I, there was a Lion King performance, which you'll appreciate because you love Broadway. And you oh, know yeah. that we are hopefully in the coming months, it will start to come back. But yes. for me, Crossing my that was such, it was such a wonderful moment. I joined Clubhouse just before Christmas. So it was, it, it was this weird, we had this weird holiday season where we were yeah. distanced from all of the people that we would normally spend the holidays with. Mm-hmm. So for me to have stumbled onto this platform that then literally had one of my favorite musicals, like a little Lion King performance. And it was just, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to hear. It was wonderful to hear the singing. It was wonderful for me, again, coming out of the, the nine months of, you know, basically not going anywhere. And I literally didn't leave my apartment for three months during the pandemic. So when say lockdown, like I literally was locked down. So it was a great way to, connect with other people is kind of like an interactive podcast or for those of us of a certain age like a party line exactly oh I remember that (laughs) I know I said that I said that in one of my first clubhouse rooms and let's just say they didn't know what I meant and I felt really really old um but you know like out of all of this like I have always loved podcasts I have never really wanted to do one of my own but then I got voluntold. I got voluntold into <laughs> creating one, and so that's one of my. That's been one of my fun um, passion projects for the pandemic. That's awesome. Well, and and for those of you listening to the podcast, if, if you're wondering what the heck is Clubhouse, we actually did a whole podcast about Clubhouse. Well, I'm going to drop that in the show show uh, notes below wherever you are listening. And I also want to mention, as Nikki mentioned, we did interview the author of The Color of Law. Um, few months back too. So I'm going to drop that interview as well. Those are both really good resources. Um, if you enjoyed this interview, 
And Nikki, I definitely think you should have your own podcast. I, I think that there are quite a, a lot it's, of stories uh, and things you could talk about. <laughs> so how, how this happened, I'll tell you the story of why there is a podcast coming. I was chatting with a friend of mine earlier in the pandemic, and they said, you know, I would listen to you having conversations with your friends. Like you have so many interesting people that you know, and you come across. And they said, I would, and they volunteered themselves to be on the podcast. And I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> they spoke to another friend of ours and told them that I was starting a podcast. So a few days go by or a week goes by. And I talked to that friend and that friend says, hey, so I hear you're starting a podcast. I totally want to be a guest and then I'll bring such and such. And so that's how, that's how it, it began. It began, it wasn't my choice. It literally was not my choice. <laughs> like people created, they created it and they volunteered themselves. And so it's been a really interesting um, passion project to, to do. And like, I looked, I looked at this time where I wasn't running around like a lunatic, either a in New York city showing or even, you know, traveling. We almost always run into each other at a conference somewhere in the country. I looked at, what what could I gain in all of this? I gained clarity and time to think. Like I used to think that I did really great thinking when I was in taxis or on planes or like sitting in a hotel room. And that, that's still very much true because I find great creative energy in changing my environment. But I literally have a legal pal, pad full of ideas and things that I came up with during this. And I also had the time to start executing on them. Taking the time and the space to sort of rethink. And that's exactly what I did during the financial crisis. I took time and I rethought things. I reframed things. I restructured things. I did exactly the same thing during this pause. Wow. See, it's a, it's a full circle moment. We're back at the beginning. It's really, it's really a full circle. It's really a full circle moment. Well, this has been such a great conversation, Nikki. I've absolutely loved chatting with you. Is there anything else that I so didn't ask fun. you that you wanted to uh, share or say? <laughs> no, it's been, it's been, it's been great fun. You know, I feel like we, well, we literally haven't seen each other since the last Inman Connect in New York. Yeah. Where... Yes. I don't remember. I was some version of injured then. <laughs> I don't remember which version you saw. It was a rough start to the year. Um, I think I, I either had my arm in a sling or my foot in a boot. But I don't remember I, which I, one you I, saw. I was going to say foot. Uh, that's what I re remember. I think, I think it was your foot. But No, no, no. I had, I had my arm in a sling. Oh, and okay. then a few <laughs> weeks after that, then I ended up with the foot in the boot. Yeah, so. Ah, um, gotcha. But. It's, I always feel like we could talk literally forever and ever and ever. I know. I know. You know and it's oh, always I, so much fun to sort of follow on social. And I feel like I've seen your boys grow up and I can't wait until you actually bring them to New York city. Cause that will be epic. When you, when the Lance family comes to New York city, <laughs> it will be epic. I was just telling Paul recently because he's never been in New York either. And my boys have never been to New York and, and we are, you know, we're looking at the calendar. We're like, when are we going to do our East Coast trip? And I said, when we get when we when we go to New York, we got to call Nikki. 
<laughs> you definitely, and, you uh, definitely call me. And I know, you know, definitely, especially since I know you love going to Broadway shows so much. And you know, I know your, your kids love baseball. So, you know, there's, there's so much stuff to, to do. And yeah. all of that is starting to sort of bubble back up here. So it'll yeah. be epic. Yeah. When, when you're actually someone, interestingly enough, um, I got an email from an agent who knows a different agent than, that I know through Inman and social and knows someone who's stationed overseas, who's trying to plan like a trip to New York with her family as sort of like the reunion. It'll be the first time they've seen each other and who knows how long. And wow. I just, I just think of what a wonderful world we live in where we can do things like this. We can FaceTime each other. I remember in the, 80s my grandmother who died in 19 uh, who died in early 2000s so in the late 80s she wished or we wished I don't remember which that we could see each other while we were on the phone yeah you imagine that yeah and now we do it all the time right we don't don't even think about it it. and think about how how wonderful that technology is that I met my it great really niece is. for the first time on FaceTime because, you know, of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. so, there's such, we're so lucky. There's so many things to be really thankful for. There are lots of things that need to change, but there's so much to be thankful for. So yeah, I could talk to you for hours easily, but when you come to New <laughs> no. York, I mean, you, you, you can't come to New York and not call me because, you know, Absolutely. I would just, no. <laughs> I would, I would literally chase you down if you came and you didn't call me. I know I you would. I know. <laughs> I know you would. I know. Oh my goodness. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, if they are looking for a New York City broker or they just want to connect with you, where what are some of the places that people can find you? You can pretty much find me apparently these days too many places because there's so many <laughs> social networks. Um, but I'm Nikki Beauchamp on Twitter and Instagram and Clubhouse. But literally, you can also just shoot me an email, you know, go old school, shoot me an email, you can call <laughs> me. It's all it's all good. Awesome. We will put and all I'm easy these. to find if you if you <laughs> if you Google me, I can. Yeah. And if and if I'm not easy to find, I have not done my job. There you go. In 2021. There you go. But we will put all of Nikki's contact information in the in the show notes below so you can reach out to her and contact her. Uh, and as you are listening to this podcast, if you enjoyed it, let us know. The best thing you could do is share it out on social media. You can tag me, tag Nikki, take a screenshot of whatever device you're on uh, and share it out. And if you really love it, give us a review. We would love that, especially if you're listening over on Apple. So Nikki, again, thank you so much. I absolutely loved our conversation today. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was great fun. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We love to have great conversations like this each and every week. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you want more, head over to katielance.com and check out the Get Social Smart Academy. Also sign up for a free email newsletter packed full of great content. Until next time, get social smart.